You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. This week, Heather and I are talking about creating a game plan for supervision. This week, we read Assessment, Diagnosis, and Treatment Planning, A Map for the Journey Ahead, published in Counseling Today 2021. Heather, our first bullet point that we're going to talk about is creating a plan. A plan is important. Ah, we don't have a plan. We're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Do you have a specific plan for your supervisees or what does that look like? I have a, I call it more of an outline because I found with different supervisees, they take different time with different said topics. Mm -hmm. But I always consider like my first six weeks with a supervisee, like a like me getting to know them and how they are and how they present themselves, breaking down the walls a little bit, getting a little more comfortable. I use it a lot as an assessment time where I may not give as much feedback as I do in the next six weeks. So, you know, just getting to see what their thought processes are, letting them be comfortable with the process of coming Uh in, presenting a client they're dealing with or Mm -hmm. an ethical issue or whatever it is. But I say I go kind of from an assessment time period, then further to some of the meat of the things that they're working on at the time, Mm -hmm. what they're dealing with, what kind of clients they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And then I think from that, you transition kind of into like the long haul of like the all of it, right? Like all the pieces of like being a therapist and getting your feet wet and then learning that like, oh, you have a client that came in with a specific thing. Now you have to learn about that specific thing more in depth Yeah, and learning those things. So I think I do more of a framework, but I don't go, okay, week eight, we're doing this. Well, that's what I was going to ask. If even you're saying your framework is flexible and can adjust to what the supervisee is doing, do you explicitly say there's a framework to your supervisee? Ooh, I have with one. Oh, uh-huh. I, ha- I have when they said, well, how does this work? Okay. And so I've broken it down into like bigger chunks. Mm-hmm. Like, and do you think that helped them? I think it- they help know that like that's, there is a purpose, right? Yeah. We're going somewhere with this. This isn't just like come in every week and. Yeah. I give some explicit information, but I'm, I'm really thinking about being even more direct mm-hmm. and keeping myself on track in the future maybe but yeah. what i do right now i start out and i tell them you know we're going to meet every week that once a month one of those weeks will be a group super- mm-hmm. supervision here's what we'll do to make our time useful in group supervision so i think that that creates a lot of structure and a plan mm-hmm. but doesn't account for or doesn't explain to them that I expect that there will be a growth. Right. Like a, a, a trajectory. Yeah. Right. And that how that might change for us or how what our relationship might do and, and change during that time. And certainly, I mean, in all theories of supervision, that's true, that there's they might call it something different, but they identify that over time the supervisee changes and then what the supervisor does right. changes. Right. The way I'm thinking about being more specific in the future, I'm thinking about, I like that you said assessment. I think I want to start with some specific assessments and then be intentional about using assessments along the way. Ah, yeah. And they, I don't think they all have to be 
um, really concrete assessments. They could be more interpretive, like maybe like Santray or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But maybe I could start out with their attitude, you know, an assessment or a tool about their attitude toward feedback or maybe a tool that would help them to know right now where they think they identify as far as a theory and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And then coming back and revisiting that, I think would one, help me to know where I want to go after that, but also would be a nice way for them to be able to look back and appreciate, oh, look at all that work we've done or look, right. at, and, what, look at the things that have changed. Right. Do you have your supervisees take notes in session with you? No. Do you? Mm-hmm. Oh. I'd started doing it a while back just because I felt like I'm sitting there making mental notes and, ca- and you mm-hmm. know, what things we need to touch base on or or I'm remembering like, hey, what about that client we talked about last week and yeah. wanting to touch base again? But I kind of started a practice with my last last probably three or four supervisees of saying, like, you also make notes so that if something comes up, especially in our group supervision, if something comes up that you want to follow up on, you have it for next time. And it kind of helps keep them on track as far as a plan goes. So sometimes I think that written plan of yeah. like, we're going to circle back to this next week. Or I like that. if one of us finds an article that they want to share. Mm-hmm. And, you so know. a different method of keeping you on track. Right. And keeping them on track. Do you think they add, do they add to those notes in between sessions? Is that your hope? I, it, that is my hope that it's set up that this is their supervision's place. And I don't care if they do it pen and paper or on their phone. I mean, I don't really have a like, oh, you must do it. The format, yeah. Right. But like just kind of a mental, like almost like a post-it, like, okay, this or okay, mm-hmm. follow up on this. Because I think it helps them track and then they can see, right? Like, oh, yeah, three months ago, we it, this was the hot topic. And now mm-hmm. it's this kind of gives a different mm-hmm. feel. Hmm. I'm also thinking that and our the kind of thinking through or talking about assessment would be different for each supervisee. Sometimes you get a supervisee brand new out of school as soon as they're right. the ink's dry. And other times you get a supervisee that has had some experience, but you may, you maybe don't know yet. Right. And certainly different people have different areas of strengths or weaknesses. Right. So you might want to assess for that. Heather, that takes us to our next point, is that a plan should be supervisee-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you do that specifically? Or or what are some times where you've done that and you saw the, the, the positive in it? So I think one of the things that comes up loud and clear as you were saying all that is sometimes it's the program, like where they got their education oh, yeah. Yeah. and what focus they had. And yeah. so then once out of school, like, does that continue to stay their focus? Do they need bolstering up in some areas and mm-hmm. can they see it right like yeah oh, or the therapist well i like that so i would say i think that that is a common theme in a lot of discussions that supervisors have maybe supervisor training like a refresher mm-hmm. course or maybe like online discussions of what between supervisors and like facebook posts or something like that right. that a lot of supervisors are saying that the school that someone comes from really determines how best prepared they are. Yeah. But I like what you said that maybe they don't know it. I mean, that seems so fair and reasonable that if you went to school and everybody that you went to school with was trained in the same way and had a similar experience, that you would think you were right in the middle of the pack. Right. You would have no, yeah. For your cohort, mm-hmm. for your peers. But then compared to other people in the same position, starting out working on hours or that it might not be the same. Right. Mm -hmm. I also like to encourage them to find what they're working on now. So like not making, I don't make long-term goals, like where do you want to be once you're done with supervision? But Uh like, 
right now, what, what do you want to do better at or what are you looking at? So that mm-hmm. they can have that own personal goal so we can visit back and go, okay, so you were going to work really great on getting your billing done on time. How's that going? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of okay. just like, like the little tiny things. So at least there's some stepping stones they can build in. Sure. It's something they want, right? Yeah. I mean, depending on the situation, in my situation, whether their billing is done on time or not doesn't actually affect my bottom line. Right. But in other supervision setups, it might. And yeah. so getting things like that kind of structured for them, like what is their goal? Okay. I do that. I think I, the kinds of goals that my supervisees come up with are things like, if they work with kids, they're nervous or afraid to talk to the parents. They right. feel confident right. doing parent consultation. Mm-hmm. Or that maybe maybe they are in LMFT or working towards LMFT and they feel pretty confident doing couples, but they've not had a lot of chance to do family stuff. And right. They know, and they know that and mm-hmm. they want to have more opportunities mm-hmm. for that. So it's good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a time where supervisee driven plan really benefited them or I saw it a nice positive outcome. I think I'll, uh, one thing that I'll do based on their goal, maybe a supervis- supervisee tells me, I think that I use this theory a lot, but I want to keep thinking about it mm-hmm. and maybe I could get better at it or maybe I just want to change theories altogether. And then I really intentionally make sure that we revisit that each mm-hmm. time. That if they're saying, I want to be really good at applying CBT and they're telling me about a client that I'm going to specifically remind them Okay, so how did you, what's the right. thought process there? How were you using CBT? Even if you weren't teaching a CBT skill, right? what were your, what were you thinking that helps you to know that was CBT? Mm-hmm. So I do. That's a great example. Yeah. Focus in on what they're hoping to gain and how I think it can move them forward and make right. them a better counselor. Well, I think when we leave it to be supervised or supervisee uh, driven, then we're leaving it open to that, that can shift. They mm-hmm. might think they love CBT and then decide, oh, never mind. I'm more EFT. Like, you know, yeah. they think they're one way because that's what their yes. school was. Yes. And then when they're in practice using it, they're like, oh, actually, I like this better. Yeah. I think I might, I don't really call it homework, but we could call it homework that I might tell them or ask them, okay, this is something that you wanted to work on and that we both agree you need some work on. And here's how right. we're going to work on it. That maybe it is, we're talking about termination's hard. So, and, and it's hard for you and you have some coming up. So mm-hmm. think about how you're going to do it. Think about how plan ahead and know what you're going to say to the client or the parent or even how you help yourself with that. Goodbye. Great. Very okay. good. Okay. Documentation. <laughs> a love, hate and the world of supervision. That is also an important part of having a game plan with a supervisee. Yeah. I think that the first time I have one memory in particular of supervision when I myself was in supervision mm-hmm. and I don't know how many weeks we were in and all of a sudden he said now next week I'd like you to bring me a copy of one of your notes that was like excuse me what <laughs> because it was fine I mean I knew how to do a note but I had a very specific note that I taught was taught and liked and was very uh-huh. like this is what I use uh-huh. in day treatment so uh-huh. soap notes were very like mm-hmm. very specific and when I brought in my note, you quote, of course, I wrote the note like 15 times <laughs> and I brought it to him and like showed him the note. And he's like, yeah, no. And I was like, what? He's like, oh, I mean, it's a beautiful note. Yeah, it flies for what we do here. Like, this is great. Yeah. But I actually want your process. I don't care about the note we have to submit oh, for like, he's like, I want your. And I was like, oh, I don't really write this very often. And he's like, why not? <laughs> like, oh, oh. 
I didn't know I was supposed to. I mean, it was like, I really was like, oh, I'm supposed to write something else. Yeah. Like, this is what I was taught to do. And he said, no, I want your thought processes. Every client, you have, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So it was like a learning curve for me. But when it came to documentation, I was like, oh, it's not just necessarily about the billing, right? The, the context yeah. of the session. You actually want to know about like my thoughts on it. So I think it can be mm-hmm. incredibly beneficial. Or it is incredibly beneficial. But at the same time, I mean, I hate documentation just as much as the next person. Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. I think, I mean, I hadn't, I wasn't even thinking about notes. I was thinking about documenting hours, Mm -hmm. documenting like a remediation plan if you get to that point, but also surely if you're getting to the point of an actual remediation plan, you've got some documentation to show. Prove it, right? Here's how things are, you know, this isn't a one-off that you missed one supervision session. This is kind of a pattern for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's not just, I don't want to go talk to Sarah, that there are other things like getting in your way, or maybe this isn't a good time that you want to for those reasons, you have documentation. I also think, I feel like you emailed or called me recently, or we talked about this, that supervisees that expect us to do their licensure paperwork oh, for them. yes. I was like, where did this come from? Yeah. Is this something I should know? Right. <laughs> like, that, um, wow, I mean, I, I, every time it, you know, I've never had anyone really expect me to do it. It mm-hmm. sounds like you have, but, mm-hmm. but. People, just recently, right? <laughs> people that are just a little bit amazed that I don't do that. Like, oh, right. I thought you would do that. And I take it as an opportunity to say, that's your license. So right. you have to maintain it. You need to know what it's all about. You need to know where to find the form, mm-hmm. where to, how to use the form, what to, you right. know. And now with, at least in the state of Texas, all of our stuff is getting high tech. Yeah. That you need to get on the website. You need to find what you need. You need to be ready. You need to. Yeah. I and I can't do those things right. for you. Well, and I think in the same vein as documentation is being aware of, you know, I try to, when I get emails from like our governing boards and things like that, be like, hey, did you guys see this? Like yes. this new one that came out? Did you see this yeah. one? Use it as kind of like a jumping off point for things. But then also like, I know they're hoping I know the answer or that I understand the new rule perfectly. Mm-hmm. There are many times that I have not, nope, got this yesterday. What do we think that means? And then Use that tool to say, like, so where would we find that information? Because they've sent you all 30 pages. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what do you want I, to do with it? I had forgotten that. And and maybe that, I, I guess that's related to documentation, that I did have someone who regularly, and our state was going through a lot of changes, would ask me, well, what about this? I don't know. Right. I Not have to look it up. Right. What percentage of this hours count as this? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to look it up. And that w- it was just maddening to them. And for me, personally, supervision aside, I just don't keep things in my brain that I can look up easily. Right. Because we can hop on the website and go check out right. what it is. So that was all. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Here's where you would look it up. And so partly it was because I genuinely 
didn't know. I wasn't withholding information that I right. had on the tip of my tongue. But also, when in doubt, go look it up. Right. Well, there's been, I mean, I've been a supervisor for a little while, but I've been in mental health for a really long time. And so there are some things that pop up and I'm like, okay, that's an old standard. Like we know this. And then I'm like, wait, I think somewhere around the time COVID shutdown happened, they changed it to this. And I can't quite remember why or what. And so it's like, well, I have to look it up anyway. This is how we do this. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. be that example of it. Yeah. I had a long time ago, feels like a really long time ago, a supervisee, now I do this with everybody. I just ham I just like really hammer into keep a Google Doc drive Google Drive of all your yeah. licensure stuff forever and ever and ever. Don't throw it away. Then you don't have to ever throw it away or clean it up. It's saved in the same spot mm-hmm. all the time. <clears throat> they should just always keep track of that stuff. And um this person did not. And when it came time to file their paperwork, and that was back when it was paper. Right. Yeah. They filed and they made mistakes on the form mm-hmm. and it really got and that i think then they probably got a little nervous right and then so when the state pointed out that they'd made a mistake they completed the paperwork again and made a different mistake oh no <laughs> so now they'd done it twice and at that point the state responded with it did sound kind of scary mm-hmm. this is your final warning yeah this <laughs> is this is the last time we're going to do this and then they really got scared oh my goodness sarah i really messed this up mm-hmm. nope take a deep breath Fill the form out slowly, get someone to double check it, then ask me to triple check it. Mm-hmm. You, The information is correct. Right. You just have to Put it, get it right. Right. Yeah. And how scary that was for them that they'd gotten to that very last step. Right. And just kept goofing right. on the paperwork. So documentation is really important. Mm-hmm. Do you have, we're talking mostly about the hate related right. to documentation. Do you have a, a time with documentation that you love it and you think it's valuable and needed and useful? Um, I, for myself, love documentation for when I was getting my hours done mm-hmm. because all of a sudden when I would hop, it was an Excel spreadsheet, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd hop into my Excel spreadsheet and told them I, totaled my hours, like, you know, that I was do fun. it all the time, but I was yeah. like, <gasps> I'm there. Like, all of a sudden, I realized, like, okay, I knew I was getting close. Yeah. But it was like, that's a happy moment. Yeah. I also think it's great when there is some kind of conflict or question, and you have and that there. in there. That documentation oh, supports Oh, it. so that was a happy documentation moment. I used to get called to court quite a bit just based because of my job. Right. The last time I went to court, which has been a long time, and it was there was a long time in between the position where I went mm-hmm. all the time and this most recent time. And I knew, I tried to tell the attorney, I did not have what she was looking for. Mm-hmm. I was not that helpful. That certainly there were lots of other people that had the little bit of information I had, and they actually had better information. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not that good of a witness here. Right. But I got subpoenaed. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was just, it actually was like the crummiest it was pouring rain oh. at the courthouse that I happened to be going to that day was like two city blocks away from the parking uh, garage that it was assigned to. It was hmm. pouring rain. And I pull up to the parking garage and the par- the parking for the day was something outrageous, like $15. Yeah, you're like, oh, come on, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get there and it was exactly what I expected. She was trying to get for me something that I just could not right. get. Have that, right. But in listening and paying attention, I realized I actually did have one little tiny piece of information that was useful. Mm -hmm. The first date that I saw the family. Wow. That was it. That's all I had that was useful. Wow. And I think everyone in the room realized it at the same time. And they went, wait, what? 
when was the first? And I, I, mm-hmm. I said the notes that I gave, right. including the original assessment, is that the very first date that I saw mm-hmm. them was on this date. Game changer. It actually got gotcha. made all the. They're di- like, okay, bye bye. Well, no, it made <laughs> all the difference for this disagreement. Oh, and it actually, are, it was yeah. actually really <laughs> right. And it was not at all what anyone thought that they were looking for, but that one date made the difference and they went, oh, okay. Well, then none of, <laughs> none of the rest of it matters because this one date. So I was like really excited that I got to do that. And no one pushed me to say more than I should have said. I right. just gave the actual facts, but they, this poor mom, um, I, because I was on stand, I also took the chance to say, I also want to add that these kids came in well-dressed, taken care of with a snack, with their homework. Mm-hmm. On time, mm-hmm. never, you know, they were, right. they never missed an appointment. That I can also say. Right. So I was excited about that little yeah. tiny piece of documentation that mattered that day and yep. made a big difference. It made a great difference. So our last point that we're talking about today is that we really need to consider the supervisee's worldview as well as our worldview and the impact that it plays in our mm-hmm. game plan or treatment planning for supervisees. Right. How do you see that that works for you, that you have to think about your bias, their bias, how it comes together? Well, I think part of that is the very beginning, right? You're aware of it because you're assessing and you don't know how they are yet, like what their thoughts are on different topics, social mm-hmm. topics. Mm-hmm. But then I also think that as you know that, it's just like with a client, you have to take into perspective what they've experienced is not going to be your experience and how you help them navigate those waters of However, I mean, sure, we've all been yelled at by a parent or a client. Mm-hmm. Like that's happened to all of us at some point in time. If you work with kids, then that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But maybe for our supervisees getting yelled at by an adult that maybe is older than them. Has it, never happened. Right. Has never happened. Or maybe it's something too scary or maybe that causes some other things. And so kind of being able to sit back and go, okay, that experience for them could be very traumatic. While mm-hmm. I might look at that and go, well, that go, it's being a jerk and having a really bad day. Yeah. I could let it go. I have different perspectives. Right. So you're saying that we have to consider holes in their education or experience. Right. That we might take for granted if we just went, okay, so you've gotten this far. So for sure, clearly there's been a parent who's yelled at you. Right. Well, maybe not. Right. Maybe that's never Or happened. a tough family dynamic that they just haven't ever, they haven't dealt with yet a really contentious divorce. Mm-hmm. They've done blended or divorced families, but not a really contentious right. one. So they just haven't had right. that. Chance. And sometimes it's site experience or like they maybe if they would have been in a site where someone's unhappy with them, they would have talked to like a clinical director and not talked directly to the counselor about mm-hmm. something. It could have been mm-hmm. like where they were a little protected from it. Yeah. That can happen. And so, yeah, well, there's been conflict, but they were sheltered. They right. got someone else did the hard work. Yeah. You know? I like that perspective specifically because so far you and I are focusing really on their worldview as a supervisee, a counselor in training, Mm -hmm. that certainly there are other parts of their worldview and other parts of our worldview. But really, when we're treatment planning their supervision, this is a big part of it. What their job experience has been, what their clinical experience Mm -hmm. has been or not been, or like their uh, the program they came from, things like that. I think, too, we, we can't ignore other parts of their worldview, their background, our background, how it right. matches, some, how it sometimes doesn't match. And I know we've had many podcast episodes where we've talked about that, mm-hmm. that we we need to help them and us by a better understanding and asking questions about biases, backgrounds. Right. Or even just, well, how was that for you? 
and they're sharing a story about a client and it seems strong or emotional or maybe they're not worked up about it, but maybe we think they should be <laughs> to yeah. just say, well, yeah. what was that like for you? What yeah. what happened there or how did it end up? Have you thought about it this week? Like, mm-hmm. did it linger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's complicated. I mean, I th- all of these are complicated. That last one feels really complicated because of the layers that right. happen between us and our supervisee in supervision, their interaction with the world and our interaction mm-hmm. with the world. And that then we're dealing with the third layer, their interaction with their client and how their client experiences the world and how they experience right. the world. It's certainly very complicated. Right. And definitely why it's got to be part of the game plan for right. supervision, supervision. So, well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. We would love to hear your feedback and also love to hear topics that you'd like us to cover. Thanks. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.